Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again to do another episode of the Nolcast, another coaching search episode of the Nolcast. We'll spend a, uh, a gratuitous amount of time reviewing the Alabama State game here in a second, but the vast majority of this conversation will be focused around uh, who will ultimately, at least in our opinion at this point in time, uh, be Florida State's next head coach, or at least the names that we think are most likely to fill that position. As always, want to thank Louisiana Hot Sauce, the title sponsor of the Nolcast. Been with us since 2016. Great partners, great product. Uh, no better authentic pairing of uh, support and appreciation for what they've done for us. So, Bud, let's. Uh, here we are yet again. The band's back together to do another one of these coaching search pods, and uh, we'll try to do our best to bring people up to speed. Indeed, man. Let's uh, let's let's talk. The coaching search continues on, and, and may continue on for. Uh, quite a while now. We, we we might get like seven or eight coaching search episodes. This is this is much more than we had last time. Uh, of course, last time we got some pretty good mileage out of people not believing that the current coach was quitting, uh, and you know us saying that that was happening for a while. Uh, but yeah, man, let's let's go ahead and talk a little stuff. Uh, the last time we left off, uh, we were we recorded what last Tuesday. It came out Wednesday, I think. Um, we had said that our sources were more optimistic about Bob Stoops, but we weren't ready to go there as far as any kind of done deal thing. And I'm glad we didn't. Right? Like I'm I'm, I'm glad that they all they were willing to say was we you know we're optimistic and you know encouraged, but not actually done deal cuz uh Florida State uh, threw the Tallahassee Democrat on what day was that? Thursday or Friday I think it was. Uh Friday. 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 Uh said that uh Stoops is uh, is not a candidate for the job, which I mean, come on. Like, literally, your AD, David Coburn, just said he was a candidate, what, two weeks ago? So this whole not a candidate thing is a little bit interesting. I don't know why the Democrat elected to phrase it in that way. Um, other than that, I mean, maybe it helps you get continued stories there, or maybe that's all they're willing to say to you. But, yeah, man, uh, looks like Stoops is uh, is not taking the job. I mean... That's kind of where, where we sit right now. Yeah, and uh, a lot of optimism when we recorded. Uh, and there's you know been periodic waves of optimism. Um, I think we were fairly good about saying, yes, there's confidence on Florida State's side, but uh, at no point is anybody talking about a done deal, at least no point to uh, anybody that we've had a past relationship where we value uh, consistently what they've, what they've given us. Um, I will say that Thursday and Friday uh, reached a point to where people whose opinions uh, I take seriously and I think are informed at a level that is uh, of a significantly higher degree than most started to really believe that there was a, a real chance of that happening. So um, there there was a period of time to where there was an optimism that spread to even a, a group of people that had otherwise had a decent degree of skepticism about whether or not uh, a possible uh, a real possibility that Stoops was the next candidate for Florida State or the next uh, actual head coach for Florida State. Yeah, and I think that's notable because there are people who we don't trust saying done deal for, I mean, God, like two weeks, right? And we're like, yeah, we're not – I mean, it, it's weird when you talk to some of these sources because you don't you pretty much take any call from anybody who's ever had anything decent but at the same time like you definitely keep notes on your sources you're like all right this guy's rock solid and hey this guy might know program stuff but not team stuff but sometimes they'll try and tell you team stuff and you just got to sit there and listen to it but uh nobody i think we trusted told us any kind of done deal thing at all but i i totally agree the people that are really plugged in were very optimistic kind of late Thursday, early Friday. Um, and we're somewhat optimistic, you know, increasingly optimistic in the morning. Or excuse me, like, like early, earlier in the week there. So that was that was interesting. Uh, I, I will say that I talked to some people who were in the important boxes this weekend. And the vibe I got was that the, some of the people from Florida State were trying to act like they turned down Bob Stoops. And that is just absolutely ridiculous uh i mean let's be real here if if the narrative is oh well we you know we we realize stoops uh you know he doesn't have that fire anymore 
No, a, a good way to realize that would be if Bob Stoops says, yeah, I don't want to coach, right? I, I already have a job in the XFL, and I don't need to spend all my time recruiting in a region that I notably don't want to recruit in. And I have a son who's a coach in Norman, Oklahoma, and I have a son who's a player at OU, and I can scratch my coaching itch by coaching in the XFL uh, and not have to take a college job, and I don't need the money. Like, that would be a pretty good – like, if he said that to you, you know what? I think you could actually say, yeah, we determined that Bob Stoops doesn't, doesn't want to – maybe say, he doesn't have to fire. The, the, second he steps out of the, uh, the second he steps out of the hotel conference room, you look at the guy next to you and go, yeah, I always wondered if he had the fire to really coach. Uh, all right, I guess we'll move on. So, I mean, like, let's be real here. The, Florida State did not turn down Bob Stoops. So that – that narrative is trying to get around a little bit, maybe couching that narrative by saying he's not a candidate. Uh, I'm, I'm not buying that at all. Uh, I, I think that Florida State made its best uh, best possible offer, and that offer was not accepted. Uh, luckily, if you're an Oldcast listener and have been listening for more than two episodes, uh, you heard us list all these reasons why people think Stoops would not take the job. And it ended up being that He's not taking the job unless they pull some kind of crazy turnaround story here, which I don't think uh, I don't think that they they will. Uh, I know you had some more thoughts on this, though. Oh, well, I think I think some of the I don't know. I mean, it's it's not really it doesn't really behoove us to <laughs> to detail this at a granular level or even try to. Uh, doesn't you know? It may not be great podcasting. It's it's probably not great for. Uh, relationships uh, from a broader perspective, but I think maybe you can look at some of the earlier optimism that existed is, uh, you know, part of part of a consultant or uh, somebody that's running a search firm that they're, and I'm not saying this was like sleight of hand or anything else, but their goal is to try to figure out exactly what are the resources here? What, what is an institution really, uh, wanting or willing to commit to football. And I think if you're sitting there, somebody who maybe in the back of your mind thinks that this is really a question about how much we're um, going to make available to Bob Stoops, then yeah, I could see there could be a little bit of a misunderstanding there um, or how a seed of, of misunderstanding could take place. I also think it's capable of, uh, you know, there's lingo used in negotiations, which you can misread. You can come back to somebody's representation and tell them that you met this requirement, that requirement, and you met the third requirement and even exceeded it by 20%, uh, their response to you could be like, well, you know what? I think your next football coach is going to be Bob Stoops. It doesn't mean that Bob Stoops is signed, sealed, delivered, or anything else. Uh, I think there's a some of the early optimism I can understand. Some of the late optimism I think is a little bit more reflective of a institution and maybe individuals that just aren't as familiar with a process like this. And it's a big. This is the first time Florida State's gone through this in a long, long time. Uh, Willie Taggart was a coaching search, but it was a coaching search in dealing with an individual that saw your institution as their dream job. I mean, Willie was not necessarily reflective of what you what you go through during most of these processes. And just because you start to get some favorable answers and it's similar to the road that you walked a couple years ago, doesn't necessarily mean that you've reached uh, the point of yes to the extent that maybe some on Florida state side thought they had. And of course your AD is, is not at all experienced in being an AD, right? So that would be potentially uh, exposing yourself to greater chance of, of misinterpretation of some signs uh, in in theory, so okay, it looks like that they didn't get Bob Stoops. What what does that mean? First of all, do you think the door is closed on Stoops? Um, I I don't think there's any reason for anybody to hold their breath on the idea that Bob Stoops is going to come running, you know, running down the tunnel wearing a, a garnet collared shirt. No, I mean, if Bob Stoops were to contact Florida State at some point in time, would he would he be a candidate? Is he the only candidate that could possibly? you know, enter, uh, at a time of his deciding. Yeah, probably. But I'm not like, there's no secret handshake agreement that Bob Stoops is going to be the name, the head coach in two Sundays or something like that. I'll, I'll put that out there, uh, with absolute confidence. So uh, what do you want to put the, close the door at 98% or something like that? I mean, there's, 
Bob Stutes is the only person on the market who's not currently coaching. He's the only potential person that you would talk with who has a track record of winning a national championship. A, a guy like that can, to an extent, dictate the course of conversation that no other candidate could. But I, I don't think there's some cloak and dagger strategy here. No. No, I I, I don't either. Uh, I, I was willing to wait that out for about a day or two, and then, yeah, no. There, there's no real no real point to doing that. I, I, I wouldn't. I, I don't think. Uh, so... Is this an opportunity lost for Florida State, you think, with, with, with going down this road and spending its time on stoops? So uh, there's two different answers to this, in my opinion, But Like, has Florida State looked at other people? Has Florida State spoken with other people, or at least their representation? I think we're 100% confident in saying that. Um, but I will say that Florida State's broader institutional focus up until Friday afternoon was solely on this candidate. So... Um, is there perhaps some time lost? Yeah. But is there like a big national black eye how this was handled? No, not really. You went after Bob Stoops. You didn't get him. Okay. That's not a big deal. Um, I know that people within the fan base like to clown on um, how this gets handled and some of the names that get attached to it and stuff. But you didn't You didn't have organizations running that you were going to sign you know, uh, John Gruden or anything else like this. The the idea that people want to throw this search into a dumpster fire, uh, could it get there? Yes. Is it there right now because you tried to go after Bob Stoops? No, not at all. I, I totally agree. I, I think that one of your opportunities lost is that he was by far the best candidate. And I, and I had this discussion with a friend of mine, and he's like, well, I actually prefer such and such. And I said, yeah, look, from a football, from a football standpoint, I think I agree with you. However... Uh, Stoops, from a total package standpoint, in terms of name recognition uh, and the ability to fundraise, all, all those type of things, instant credibility, uh, Stoops was pretty much unparalleled in the search process here. So, so from that standpoint, yeah, you, you definitely lost an opportunity, but it's not an opportunity that you like, like you had in the hand. You went after the guy. You you tried your best. He doesn't want it. Okay. All right. We're we're good. I mean, you, you can't force Bob Stoops to to, to work. Uh, like he he can he can be retired. He's he's earned, he's earned that right uh, by the living that he's earned. We do know that they have been you, visiting. You bring up leverage there, just real quickly. You bring yeah. up leverage, and I, I'd want to mark one thing on Stoops. If you ever were to circle back with Bob Stoops, uh, and I don't see like he would do this as a like a uh again just for fun but you are dealing with a guy who's really hard to get over the goal line who's really hard to get a yes from i think you've got to have that in the back of your mind with any candidate moving forward but i don't know that i would let bob stoops be your central focus ever again if bob stoops wants to contact you at some point in time then that's great but at this point you're if if you're if you're going to be of the perspective that you got as close, at least in your opinion, your point of view that you did, then the candidate knows as much about you as possible. Uh, but it, and if the candidate wants to have some long, continued conversations, I, I don't think anybody is in a place to really entertain that. Yeah, I, I think that's very fair. Um, so I think you're really right to bring up that, look, we know you were discussing and visiting with either other candidates or other representation including on, I'm pretty confident that Florida State was meeting with people last week, either Florida State or the search firm or both, uh, on Wednesday, Thursday, and I think Friday, but definitely Wednesday and Thursday, there was there, there, was, there was stuff going on, right? They, they were visiting some cities. I had people telling me that, that they went to Memphis, they went to Cincinnati, Dallas, Atlanta. Somebody told me San Diego. I don't know who they'd be visiting out there, but again, you can't just tie these things directly to cities uh, because it's like the chance that you actually talk to a head coach this early in the process in person is fairly low. Most likely you're going to be meeting uh, with, with their reps, right? And you're probably not negotiating with somebody at this point in the process. Uh, but I'm confident now that, that I can say Florida State was meeting with people last week Wednesday, Thursday, and I think Friday, but Wednesday and Thursday for sure. We had enough people tell us that uh, that that the people involved with the search committee were, were out there traveling to meet with people, and I, that's something that I have independently and something you have independently. 
Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think what you said is is absolutely right. We're we're confident in that. Um, again, that doesn't mean just because you were you were out there looking at people. I think a lot of that's probably due diligence. I, I still think from an institutional point, your focus was all on one candidate. Uh, but you do at least have an idea as to what's out there. Uh, search firm, one of the things that can feel fairly confident in what it's uh, expect, like what you can expect from them is that they'll give you a fairly decent vetting of people and try to give uh, you know individuals that you could potentially be paired with for success. So um, as we kind of see Florida State transition from what I would deem Search 1.0 into Search 2.0, uh, it's probably only appropriate that we look at uh, some of the people that we really think could be the main characters in this part of the conversation. I agree. I, I, first, I have, I have some other questions, right? So... Do you think there was damage done internally in terms of the perception of the search committee uh, amongst like boosters and, and, and other other people who would place their confidence in, in, in the people on this committee? Um, I think there was. I don't know that it would be. This is just my perspective. I don't know that it would immediately be borne out. I think if you have another stub your toe, you're going to hear pretty aggressive calls to open this up beyond two to three people making this decision. Uh, I think there were aspects of it that were uh, potentially mishandled. And, you know, there, if, anytime you get people's uh, serious dreams in their minds that they're going to have one candidate and that candidate's ultimately not delivered, you know, there's going to be some blowback and there's going to be people that question uh, how you got to that conclusion, both the significant amount of optimism associated with it and how ultimately it didn't come to fruition. Absolutely. I, I think that's that's fair. All right. Pause here real briefly to let everybody know that my uh, at least it looks like heart is broken that I won't be uh, providing some open uh, open tab for all of Tallahassee to partake in celebrations tied to bringing one Bob Stoops. But we'll have something at Madison Social here in the near future, uh, even if it isn't just an absolute festival of fun to celebrate uh, big game Bob, just as I was hopeful uh, and optimistic. To work on an event like that with uh, Matt Thompson would encourage all of our listeners to keep uh, Matt and his group in the back of your mind. If there's any kind of corporate event that needs to be catered or uh, any kind of event planning in general, Matt at ForTheTableHospitality.com. Again, Matt at ForTheTableHospitality.com. Work directly with uh, Matt Thompson and his team, the same people that we've been so fortunate to work with since the inception of the Nolcast. Absolutely. A, a great sponsor. And just uh, we've had so so many listeners be like, hey, I, I'm out of town. I'm, I'm in town for a game. I'm going to go check out Madso. And they, they, they tweet us with, with their picture of them and, you know, Matt and, and Madso and, and, and the restaurant group there. And it's pretty cool to see because it, it's a place we genuinely enjoy. And we're glad our listeners get to go check it out, too. Uh, here's a question that we had from a couple people on Patreon and, and a couple of emails and Twitter. Again, our email, nolcast at gmail.com. Patreon.com slash Nolcast, which gives you probably the best chance to get your question answered uh, because we do check there first. We don't guarantee that we answer your Patreon questions, but we do look at it first. Um, and then also you can tweet us at Nolcast. Uh, but I said, hey, well, well Florida, State, like Florida State's financial commitment to Bob Stoops was going to be pretty significant. People were going to step up big time. And like you said earlier, maybe the search firm, not the committee, but the search firm was trying to gauge and uh, just how much Florida State was willing to go with this kind of thing. But but this is an interesting question, and it's even more interesting to me now in that you, you brought up the, the possibility that the search firm uh, was trying to figure out how, you know, how far you could go in this. But do you think that, that like Florida State is going to be going to give the same level of financial commitment to a coach not named Bob Stoops? Uh, do I think they will? Is one thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, do I think they should? Is uh, is perhaps another. No, I, I I think it's laughable to think that you're going to get that type of commitment uh, from Florida State for anybody else. Uh, no, maybe not laughable, but you'll see. It, in my opinion, you won't approach that. Now, if if you were to get everybody online with the idea of going after a Matt Campbell, maybe a James Franklin, I would say that those two. Again, nobody's going to have the replica of support that might have been associated with Bob Stoops. But I do think those are the two names at this point in the process uh, that would have you approaching this 
as uh, as full from a restore standpoint as possible. I think that's fair. It's just not realistic to expect people to give the same amount of money and support for a guy like Matt Campbell as they would for Bob Stoops, uh, because Bob Stoops is a name. People who want to support the football program but don't follow football nationally, they're going to know who Bob Stoops is. When you tell them the name Matt Campbell, they're going to be like, who the hell is Matt Campbell, right? Like, they just don't know it. It's not like Iowa State has been nationally relevant. I, I think they've actually done a tremendous job there, and we'll talk about him more in a second. And He's the guy I wanted to discuss last week, but nobody wanted to be really talk about him. So <laughs> we went with the names that people wanted to discuss. But look, it's not like you guys have, it's not like they, they have the money. I mean, they're having to borrow a lot of this money anyway. So it's not realistic to think that they would give a stoops level commitment to another coach. At the same time, I think it's interesting here. We can both agree they need to give much more of a commitment than they gave to Willie Taggart, right? Like they literally cut his staff as soon as he got there and would let important people behind the scenes walk uh, because they wouldn't pay him, you know, 50,000 instead of 40,000 or 40 instead of 30 in some cases. Uh, So I think that they will have a much greater financial commitment in terms of staffing and support to whatever coach they hire than than they did to Willie. Uh, But at the same time, I don't think it's realistic to think that you're going to have that upper level stoops commitment, uh, to just any coach. And I think that's something they need to make clear, by the way, to the search firm. Like, hey, that was that was a one-time, one-name deal, right? We're, we're, we're not doing this if, uh, if if it's if it's somebody not named Bob Stoops. Not not to that level. Yeah, which uh, is kind of tr- very understandable, in my opinion, but also kind of troubling. Um, I, I think part of the reason Florida State's in – trouble to an extent uh, with how some of this goes is that they've really tried to moneyball aspects of football. Uh, although, okay, so from an institutional standpoint, you have to do that when you're Florida State. I'm not suggesting that you have the checkbook, but uh, some of the smaller things like some of the hydration stuff that we brought up before, I, you know, I, I don't know what saving like $12,000 does for you. Um, when you when oh, you shake sure. the shake the new head coach's hand and then yank the yank the water facilities out of the wall, um, I'm, I'm being somewhat uh, hyperbolic there, but uh, that that to me seems kind of penny wise pound foolish. But um, I think the financial support's got to be there, and at the same time, we're right to note that it won't be there to the extent that it would have been pop uh, with somebody like Stoops. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, also, uh, one of the things there is like if they have the money, it's one thing. It's like, oh, they're deciding not to spend it. If they have to borrow it or go raise it, that's a totally different discussion. And they're clearly in the latter category here. It's not like they're sitting on a whole lot of cash that they just happen to have and didn't have to borrow or, you know, go go get future pledges for. So let me ask you this. The timetable. Do you think the timetable changes now that you're not going to get Bob Stoops for the, for the coaching coaching announcement? What do you think you would do there? Um, so the timetable possibly changes. Uh, what it does do is that there's only one other real move that if you had any kind of concern with your recruiting class that you could do, and that's Odell Haggins. The appeal to Stoops was that you could hire somebody immediately, not have to wait till the end of the season. You could probably soften some of the blows that you're going to sustain. And I know people are like, oh, you're just looking at one recruiting class. Man, Florida State's almost put itself on a hellacious, uh, like a like a mid '90s type NCA sanction with the way that it's handled uh, recruiting over the past two to three years. You're you're looking dead at the face of San- of signing. Mm, I don't want to say two ghost class, but two classes that are not reflective of all of what they would have been otherwise, and uh, the roster is going to reflect like some of the older institutions that we looked at, in my opinion, for a period of time that suffered under sanctions uh, because you've, you've kind of bounced that off yourself with the, uh, the way that some things within your control and out of your control have played out and the way that recruiting has been impacted. Um, Odell Haggins is uh, somebody that I think will pick up steam and he would be the only other candidate that would really allow for some of that continuity to exist and, uh, again, you got to think long term here. I'm not saying you you name a head coach because you're worried about keeping like a four star running back or something like that. But 
the the idea that there's any timetable that wouldn't have a negative impact on your recruiting class is all but taken out of the equation at this point. So, I mean, I, I was talking to a friend today, not a guy who has sources, but he's like, he's an old grad. And he's like, man, we're, we're going to be screwed, aren't we? Because we're, we're going to have but these- I, I don't know anybody that doesn't have sources over the past two weeks. Well, so, okay, that, that's uh, fair. You, you need to you need to check yourself there. He, th- he thinks he has sources, but but like I, I don't tell him that I know he doesn't have sources. Okay. Uh, I, you know, he's, he's a friend first. But he's like, we're going to be screwed, aren't we? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, like, you know, you always talk about how in the early signing period era, you know, the, the, these quick coaching changes, that's not a good idea uh, because, like, you're going to have two of these early signing period classes with a new coach in a three-year span. I'm like, yep, that's right. That's why the new coach is walking into a kind of a bad situation roster-wise. It's not something that uh, – that's going to be an easy fix, and we know – I mean, we don't know. We can pretty strongly uh, look at these first classes signed by these coaches across the country in the early signing period era in which they have almost no time to put the class together, and we, we can say, yeah, the attrition rate on these is going to be nuts. The washout rate is going to be really high. The, the bust rate is going to be really high. And Florida State's going to be a roster where the majority of players on it are going to come from these early signing period classes for 2020 and that's not that's not going to work real well right and like unless you keep like almost this entire class together which good luck with that we know these guys a lot of these guys that you can keep are going to be dudes who more than likely are are players who other schools maybe didn't want quite as bad as as what their star ranking is you know and and are maybe more projects than, than you want to admit so like that's something he goes well I mean, I remember you were saying that like, the early signing period is going to make people be more patient, right, as far as ADs firing their coaches. And I said, well, you know what? It wouldn't shock me if Florida State and Arkansas go on to become cautionary tales of what not to do in the early signing period era, right? Like, I can be out there and write, hey, don't fire your coach early in the early signing period era. It's not a great idea, right? It, it causes so much roster uh, turnover and, and uncertainty. But until until these ads five six years from now say, "Damn, that really is a bad idea to do that," you know, and, and they actually have some evidence, we might have this constant turnover in college football. And yet, I think it's pretty clear. The more people I talk to, and I, I think you get this too, that they made this move to fire Willie because of financials, of pledges that, that people had made not being fulfilled, right? And they're they're borrowed against those pledges. Or yeah, yeah. Plan I mean, to borrow against those pledges. Yeah, that that is something that I had harped on for a couple of weeks leading up to the process, and uh, I would still stand by that. And and I'll also say that I think the further that we get away from it, I'm not trying to kick somebody when they're down, but the the organizational uh, mm-hmm. just disoperation as far as what was going on there at so many levels, it it was a justified firing in my opinion. You you more or less had to do it uh, with a a university that values and emphasizes football uh, to the extent that it was just not an operation that was being managed at a level that's expected at a place like Florida State. 100%. I, and I'm not trying to argue they should not have done it. I'm just trying to say that's one reason why this job is not going to be quite as attractive as it might be in any other random year. Plus the other two reasons that we keep giving for why this search is not not as easy as people think. Number one is the AD present situation. That is absolutely a turnoff for, I would say, every single coach out there. You know John Thrasher is a concern, definitely. I mean, like, would you go sign up for for a job if you knew your two main bosses would be leaving within probably a year to two years? Uh, If I did, I would require either untraditional structuring or compensation that's reflective of the uncertainty tied to that. So a huge buyout? Like, like we're going to get... I bet you our new coach is going to have a, b- a bigger buyout than Willie got on a per year basis, and, and it, it'd be totally deserved for a mm-hmm. school that will fire a coach after two years. That might freak people out, but if you get a quality candidate, and look, maybe I'll be wrong on this. Maybe you'll get a guy who's not that good, and so it won't matter. But if you get a quality candidate who other schools actually want and who has some leverage, he's going to take you to the cleaners buyout wise, and he should. He absolutely should because you just showed that you're willing to fire a coach after two years, and so he's going to want that cer- that that uh, that certainty 
because of your uncertainty. But there's also the issue here. There's not a lot of candidates this year who are like obvious like fast risers who are no doubt power five coaches at, at, at the next level, you know, high level. Some years we have those and some years we don't. And this is kind of the things I was looking at in the preseason. I was like, man, I don't know like who out there is somebody who everybody's going to be really that, that fired up about. And I think that's coming to fruition in some, in some ways, but yet there are some names that I think we can talk about that we've heard bandied about. We've already discussed, uh, who have we already discussed here? Let me, let me look. Uh, in previous shows, so you can go back and listen to those, we've already discussed James Franklin, P.J. Fleck, Gus Malzahn, Mike Norvell, um, Matt Rule, Dave Clawson, and is that it? Uh, Odell, extensively. And Odell. Right. So tonight, uh, let's start with the one that I wanted to talk about last week, if you're, if you're cool with it. Let's, let's talk about Matt Campbell. Yeah, guy I said who not have number one on my board. It's real popular from a lot of media talking heads right now. I realize that, uh, but uh, the guy that uh, I said if you if you weren't able to get Stoops, he'd be the first person that I'd look at. And um, again, you're not gonna you're not gonna replicate the package that you put together for Stoops. But if I was uh, exceptionally wealthy and able to lead lead a group of individuals right now, I would try to marshal as many resources as possible put him on the table for Matt Campbell and make as a lucrative approach as possible. I think Matt Campbell is a, a very interesting blend of some very real upside and also the floor uh, being fairly well defined, established and uh, at a nice place. So Matt Campbell, I almost look at a stock uh, that I know would be consistent and pay some decent dividends, but also has uh, still massive growth potential. He's, he's, in my opinion, far and away the best candidate out there, uh, at least at this point in the process. I agree. Uh, so he's going to take he's going to take Iowa State here to three consecutive bowls. Uh, before he he got over there, Iowa State had gone in, in the, the previous season or pre- previous three seasons three and nine, two and ten, and three and nine. And since then, he's gone what eight and five, eight and five, and so far this year, he's six and four. I I think you can assume at least one more win on that Iowa State schedule. Uh, I mean, we'll we'll see. But the bottom line is he's done a very good job. And this brings me back to another point, by the way, I want to make, which is the 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 career losing record thing, right? Oh, this guy's never won, you know, never won eleven games. He's never won, uh, you know, a, a an overall conference title or whatever, guys. That is a stupid argument. It was stupid when you made it at the time about Willie. It's stupid if you make it about Matt Campbell. If you are not smart enough to look into a coach and say, okay, what is the trajectory of this coach when he gets to a place, then maybe don't comment on the coaching search, okay? There's a lot of guys out there who have career-losing records who have done a really good job because their, their trajectory is going up. You want to see that. If you see a negative trajectory, right, like, like perhaps – Larry Coker had a pretty damn good record at Miami, right? He got there. They were awesome immediately. Well, they didn't end up awesome, but he still has a career winning record. So Matt Campbell has done a really nice job at Iowa State, I, I think. Um, three and nine first year, then eight and five, eight and five, and then uh, six and four. Iowa State's a program, by the way, that has been traditionally uh, very, like, really bad. I think it's been... Uh, Very bad shoestring budget, uh, no significant uh, like moments to look back and puff your chest out about. It's worth going and looking at their historical records against uh, Oklahoma, against Texas. A guy who just recently beat Texas lost to Oklahoma by a point. Uh, if you really want to just wrap yourself in recency bias there. Uh, impressive resume, regardless of where you put, look at it. Uh, uh, former D3 player who uh, is, a, is a D3 college person myself. That's, you know, that's not a real, <laughs> not a lot of glamour involved in uh, in playing at that level. So if you're involved in, in that level and playing, it's because you're doing it uh, for the love of the game and a guy who is, grinded his way to uh you know really being on the verge of of being the next next kind of it thing in college coaching all right Ingram. well while the ring rings may have stopped with the firing of willie taggart on the recruiting trail i tell you what's not stopping is the ring rings when you call 844 fsu loan that's 844 fsu loan you'll get hooked up with shannon young he is the best mortgage guy 
in the business, I should know. I bought my house with the help of Resolution Home Loans and Shannon Young. He'll walk you through the process, extremely informative. They make it really easy on you, but yet they'll give you all the information that you need. He'll help you search for a good rate. I was on the phone with Shannon like every single day, probably leading up to our purchase saying, hey, should I, should I lock it in now? Should I let it float? Let, let, let's talk about this. And, and he would hit me up and we would also talk uh, you know, various coaching stuff. And he's hitting me up for information. Loves to talk about the Knowles as well. So uh, give him a call, 844-FSU-LOAN or visit fsuhomeloans.com. I believe we're up to 40 now. 40 Knollcast listeners have purchased their home through Resolution Home Loans and, and couldn't be happier for them. So, uh, Ingram, I will give you $10 if, uh, uh, if you can tell me the year in which Iowa State last won a conference. Uh, uh, wild guess. 1937? A little, little further back. Okay. 1917? Uh, 12, 1912. 1912. Uh, and wow. the conference they won was the MVIAA conference. MVIAA. Did they fly that banner in their stadium, similar to the manner of South Carolina flying its 1966 AC Championship banner? By the way, they were is, they were co-champs, Ingram. Uh, <laughs> and they played, they, they were 2-0 and <laughs> that year in the league. Uh, they were co-champs in 1912. The MVIAA. Uh, actually would later to go on to become the Big 8, which is kind of the precursor to a lot of the Big 12. And uh, that stood for the Missouri Valley Intercollegiate Athletic Association, so which would later become known as the Big 8. Yeah, so they won. That 1911-1912 that stretch there was, uh, was pretty solid. Uh, Iowa State, in its history, has only gone to 14 bowl games all time in over 100 years of, of football, so... Uh, not a lot of success there. I, I'm saying this because it's important to understand the context uh, within what Matt Campbell is doing. He's an offensive coach, and yet he's done a nice job hiring defensive coaches there at Iowa State. Iowa State, I'm not going to say they invented the way to stop some of these high-flying offenses, but they certainly uh, were one of the, the early adopters of of playing more of that tight front that you're seeing now in a lot, a lot of Big 12 play. Um which has helped defenses in that league for sure. Uh, before getting to Iowa State, he did a very nice job at Toledo. Um, he was their, their OC in 2010. And then uh, after Tim Beckman left for Illinois, he, uh, he got promoted. Uh, he's 39 right now. He'll, he'll, turn, uh, he'll turn 40 November 29th. So certainly a guy with, with a lot of juice. But, but I think it's important to note here, we, we talked about P.J. Fleck to what two episodes ago and we wondered like is pj fleck a good fit for florida state following willie taggart because they're both very much catchphrase guys and some people gave us some blowback for that they're like well yeah but they're totally different i'm like yeah okay in some ways but in one key way the catchphrase way uh the row the boat and all the all these like motivational stuff they're, they're not that different and i do wonder if florida state wants to f- like follow that up follow Willie up with another catchphrase guy. Because if you're not winning, and I don't think this program is going to be winning big for a couple of years probably, then it, it, some of these catchphrases kind of fall on deaf ears. And I don't know if some of the kids that Florida State recruits, which are like kids that are pretty sure they're going to NFL, like they're not real collegiate-style kids, I, I guess. You know, they're not really like student-type kids in some way. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not really college I don't know if they're going to buy into that if the team – uh, is losing with Campbell. I, I don't get that sense that he's a real catchphrase guy. He's certainly not out there in the media uh, being all catchphrasey. Uh, but you know, yet I'm I'm interested to see what will happen with him. I will tell you from talking to my agent contacts, a lot of people think that he is going to be in line for the next Big Ten job. Which, by the way, very well could be Michigan State. And I don't know. If he would take Florida State over Michigan State, as crazy as that sounds, people tell me that he's a big-time Big Ten guy. And that's brings up another question here. Like, would he – how would he recruit in the state of Florida, right? Is he understanding of what it takes to recruit against Flor- against Georgia and Florida and Clemson and Bama and, and those teams in your, in your league and, and in your region? And, and to that, I would say Iowa State does recruit the state of Florida pretty hard. So that that is certainly something there. Uh, that, that that they're used to. Now, they do not recruit the same type of player that Florida State has to recruit, certainly, as far as the you know the guys who can command top dollar 
uh, under the table. But I think that's something you could probably come to understand, right? But yeah, that's that would be a, a concern I would have of mine a little bit. Coaching-wise, I think he does a really nice job. They, they, he maximizes his talent there extremely well. Uh, they, they seem to do a good job of figuring out guys to fit their system and develop them, which is going to be key. He, he's already the two-time Big 12 Coach of the Year in 2017 and 2018, uh, and he won the MAC Coach of the Year in 2015. Um, I think he's a really good coach. He would actually be my top pick. Uh, and football-wise, he would be my top pick probably even over Bob Stoops, but it's, but but not – you know, with the overall, not with the overall package, because Stoops could really help you from a fundraising and financial standpoint, which this university definitely needs. Uh, but I think Matt Campbell, if you could get him, and I don't even know if you could get him, uh, would, would be a really important choice. And I think if you want Matt Campbell, uh, I mean, he's from Massillon, Ohio. He actually started his college career at Pitt. Uh, you might want to hope that USC doesn't open up and that Franklin doesn't end up taking USC. Because then, then you may, there's some chance that I could lay out a scenario here where, okay, Franklin goes to USC. Rule says, hey, no thanks to Penn State, and or and wants to wants to get an NFL job later, and then they end up okay. Well, who's who's number two on our list for Penn State? It's probably not Joe Moorhead because he's struggling so much at Mississippi State. Moorhead being the the former OC of Penn State under James Franklin uh, when they had that really nice year. Uh, well, then who else could we go get? Oh, well, what about Matt Campbell? And if if the rumors are true that Matt Campbell would like to stay in the Big 12, uh, then I think you could have a real – or excuse me, in, in, not in the Big 12, but rather in the Midwest. You know, you could have a real real issue on your hands as far as being able to get him. Well, yeah. Once, once the – you're operating from a place of strength right now and that you did choose to enter the market as early as you did. And, um, you know, once some of these pieces – once the – uh, the merry-go-round starts to go, and particularly if there's a piece as tied uh, as piece as attractive as uh, USC, that's going to start to have an impact on you. And you're right; it uh, will both be a little bit of a concern with negotiating with Franklin, and then also uh, what it might do as a you know, if Franklin's somebody that you get involved with with the fear. We've talked about this: the fear of being used as leverage for another job. Um, but also there are very real implications of what happens when other positions start to come up and possibly a better fit for other individuals on your board. So I think Matt Campbell would be really good. Uh, one, I don't want to say issue with Campbell, but um, he took most of his staff with him, I believe, to Iowa State, right, from, from Toledo. And I think that if you're Florida State – you would need to strike the balance with saying, hey, you can bring who you want, but we want to make sure that you bring, like, like take in at least one or two guys from outside of your current circle who may have some, some ties recruiting Florida or who understand how the game is played within the state of Florida and within the Southeast, if you catch my drift. But, man, he does a really good job coaching. His team rarely, rarely gets blown out. They they seem to play above their heads quite often. Uh, they're they're well coached. There's no doubt. His buyout, I believe, is six million, which is not uh, prohibitive. I, I don't believe for Florida State. Not not if you're trying to play at the big boy level. And uh, and yeah, like he would be my new number one target if if he's realistic. But yeah, we don't even know if he's that interested in Florida State. No, we don't know. I mean, it's, it's somebody that Florida State's not going to be his first pursuer, and it's not going to be, uh, you know, supposedly he had, he's had some slight NFL overtures previously. Um, if he's really that tied to sitting in the, uh, you know, the Midwest in that corridor of the country, then uh, you could see possibly Notre Dame becoming available down the road. You could see Michigan. You could see – uh, Ohio State. If that's really what he wants to do, then I could see him kind of anchoring himself, waiting for one of the uh, premier positions in that part of the country. So uh, it's a little bit of a bitter pill to uh, swallow to acknowledge that Florida State maybe can't just swoop in and, and pick Iowa State's head coach uh, as it would want. 
but I'm, you know, look, if, if you're going to get Campbell, uh, it's, it's going to be a, something that you've got to come out of pocket and you're going to have to be pretty aggressive with, with what you put on the table, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and he's certainly a guy you'd have to say, uh, well, we're, we're willing to give you the huge buyout, okay? Because we, we understand that, that this is, like, you have your pick, really, of where you want to go within a reason. And, uh, and this is something that we're going to have to take seriously and, and give you the security that you can be here. And we're going to give you the time to build your program as it needs to be built. Uh, and we acknowledge the, the rebuilding nature of this Florida State job now. So... This is not entirely chronological, so at the risk of sinking the conversation that we were having, uh, just sitting in the back of my mind, I do have concerns with some of the some of the <laughs> willingness for funding to be offered for Stoops. If mm, I don't want to say people were misrepresenting what they would do, but I, I think it's easy to be like, "Oh, Bob Stoops, yeah, I'd commit this much," with the idea of not necessarily thinking that it was a pipe dream, but. It's easier to throw figures out there when you're maybe in the back of your mind, not so sure you're actually going to have to have to write that check. And uh, I wonder how much, not just the full commitment as to what's there, but maybe there was a little bit of an exaggeration as to uh, where some of these funds would come from. I think that's totally fair. A uh, couple couple names here that have been thrown out to me that Florida State has either heard from, talked to, or has interest in. All right. Uh, the first one is Brian Kelly from Notre Dame. If Brian Kelly wanted to leave Notre Dame, I think Florida State should jump at that chance. He's a excellent coach. He's won uh, at multiple jobs at a high level. Uh, he's dealt with some pretty serious academic restraints as far and restrictions as far as who he can sign at Notre Dame. I don't even know why he would want to leave Notre Dame. He's a Midwest guy. Uh, but if he did want to leave Notre Dame, perhaps maybe you know somebody said, hey, you know you're not going to win a national title at Notre Dame because of the kids you can't recruit, right? Some of these kids who academically really don't belong in any college and are really, really good on the football field, the kind of kids you can get at Florida State, but you can't get in Notre Dame, at least not not in the in the quantity that you need to win a title. Uh, maybe that could be a reason he would want to leave. If, if so, then, then definitely you, you need to talk to him uh, pretty seriously. My, my guess is that he probably wants to stay at Notre Dame. Uh, there's been some NFL discussions with him as well, but if Brian Kelly is serious, and I know two people have told us that that they actually have interest in Brian Kelly, yeah, then the, the, I think he would be an excellent candidate. There's a little bit of questions about the fit, but man, it, the proven track record of hiring assistant coaches and having them get promoted to other jobs and hiring new ones who are as good or better is very impressive. He's a really good recruiter with his staff. I think he understands. I think he definitely understands uh, what goes on in the Southeast because we know he's recruited some of these guys and not always gotten them. Um, but some of that's also some of the academic stuff. So Brian Kelly, a name from Notre Dame that I would be very interested in if if that's a serious thing. Um, I'm not representing that Florida State has him up like real high right now or anything like that or that he has any interest in them, but it's a name that two people have, have told us that they've actually heard bandied about. A name that I'm a little bit, okay, a lot less enthusiastic about, and I'd have some real, real reservations about this, is Jack Del Rio. Have you heard this too? Yeah, strong pass on this. I'm I'm hoping that some people are looking at some some maybe some obvious geog <laughs> geographic ties to some of the people that are involved in this process and uh, maybe making a meaning Ed Burr uh, a, and, and a jump Drescher. to conclusion. Yeah, that there's a little bit a little bit too much Jacksonville uh, flowing around right now. But uh, yeah, that that would be a, um, mm, that'd be a toughie. I mean, list that as to. I'd rather you give Dugans, Bryles, or Odell uh, the head coach position before you give it to Jack Del Rio. I'll I mean, just say way. one of these classic defensive style NFL head coaches who uh, has shown no interest in like having an offense play at, at a high level. A guy who I'm pretty confident you'd lose a lot of games with at college unless he really drastically changed what he's doing uh, because in college you have to score points. I mean, the, the over-under on these games are consistently in the 50s and 60s. You cannot play to win games by scoring just 24 or 30 points. That's not how stuff works anymore with, with how open the game is. Uh, 
the last time he coached in college was looks like never. Uh, so, you know, there's that. He he was a guy who was constantly kind of bandied about for the USC job because he was a you know a, a big time player at USC four year starter all American he looks the part but there's not a lot of evidence this guy is a great coach at all I mean he it's not like he did anything all that special as as coach of the Jaguars he wasn't terrible but he wasn't like great they they, they never won the AFC South with him. Because it was, you know, Peyton Manning. They twice made the playoffs and promptly lost to the to the Patriots twice. Uh, in Denver, uh, I mean, he he made the playoffs one time, zero division titles. So, I mean, you're talking about what nine, twelve years, thirteen years as an NFL head coach and uh, and no division titles. I mean. I really hope that this is just nonsense that we're hearing on that. And, and I think it is, right? There's, If you're the search firm, you got to be like, hey, hey, guys, look, we know that y'all live in Jacksonville, and we know that Jack Del Rio coached in Jacksonville. That's really cool. But no, we're not doing this. Like, that's that's not going to happen. <laughs> I hope so. I hope that's some of the feedback you'd get. Yeah. Um, here's a name I can tell you that, that I'm pretty sure they actually talked to, and it's probably just as a courtesy interview uh, and maybe just a courtesy discussion. They talked to Dion. I'm fairly certain. Now I don't think it was like a serious talk, but I've had two people tell me now that they they're pretty sure Florida State talked to Dion, and uh, and that they were more impressed than they thought they would be. Yeah, but got similar feedback to it. Exactly what you just said, uh, but not a candidate and not somebody that's got the inside track or just anything Google else. Prime Prep and see what a absolute disaster that was uh, when, when Dion was running that. Okay. I mean that's yeah just just google some stories about prime prep and and see how that was uh, the quick synopsis prime prep academy was a grouping of charter schools in texas co-founded in 2012 by Deion sanders uh and uh yeah it closed after a pretty spectacular collapse uh of just yeah it was a it was an absolute disaster also Dion left early right for the nfl yeah, there's some there's some degree requirement that would I would have concerns with. Does he have a degree? I don't know. Here's the deal. Generally, you do not want to hire somebody who has no coaching experience. Just saying, it's not, not a great not a great entry level job at Florida State. Uh, I had one person tell me that they're pretty sure they've talked to Mark Rick. Now I don't know if that is as a candidate or if that would be as a hey. Uh, you know, you coached here for a long time. You did a good job. We know you have good contacts. What do you think about our search? You know, who would you potentially go after? What do you think about this guy? Can we bounce some names off you? My guess, because Mark Rick just had a heart attack, uh, that it would be the latter. I would be shocked if they hired Mark Rick for this job. I uh, am, normally am fairly careful of how I choose my words. I'll be real careful here. I I am not saying that I am happy that Mark Rick had suffered a heart attack. I am very clearly not. But from a perspective of him being considered as a serious candidate for this position, if you would be concerned as to how good of a job he potentially could be uh, possibly expected to do, uh, I think the fact that he's had some health concerns has probably been a good thing for Florida State and the fact that it's kind of put him in a potentially unhirable category where uh, maybe if you believe some of the rumblings out there, he would have been a little higher on that board uh, had he not uh, maybe gone through what he had recently. I was not sure how you were going to turn turn that around, but I, I, I totally get what you're saying there. I do think that uh, there are a lot of people who, if he had not had the recent health issue, would have probably looked at it and said, hey, he did a really good job here when he was here as an offensive coordinator. He did an overall good job at Georgia. It obviously didn't end well. The job he did at Miami, not so good. But we need stability right now in this program, and Mark Rick is the guy for, for the job for however long. I could totally see some people in power saying that. I don't think they could say that now. Obviously, we are both extremely happy that Mark Rick did not have any serious, you know, like lasting affection that as far as far as we're aware, at least not from what he tweeted. So that was really awesome. 
that he's okay, obviously. And you're, we know that Travis Johnson, attorney at law, is one of the best family law attorneys in the state. He's one of the only 280 board-certified family law attorneys out there. That's over 110,000 attorneys in the whole state, so not very many. And we know he's great at appellate work. If you have a family law appeal, he's one of the best in the entire state of Florida to go to. But we also know this. It's much better to get your case done right the first time. So if you have a divorce, maybe issues dividing property, do you have a child support issue? Maybe you have an existing order and you need to get those terms enforced. Maybe an alimony question. Whatever you have, getting it right the first time in family law is so important. And Travis Johnson, even though he's really good at appeals, is even better the first time around because that's how family law works. 850-435-9919. Call Travis. 850-435-9919. You won't be sorry. And then I guess we should have some continued Odell, Odell Hagan's talk. Uh, Josh Newberg of 247 reported that Odell interviewed on Sunday after the big-time win over Alabama State. Uh, my opinion on this is largely unchanged. I think that if the situation that we outlined where your job is just not as attractive as your program is, and let's be clear here, the job and program are two different type things. If your job is just not as attractive uh, as you want it to be because of, of you know, your present AD likely being lame ducks at a certain point uh, in the very near future, and your candidate pool reflects that, I don't think it's that crazy if you strike out on like your A and B candidates to uh, to say, okay, instead of going to hire somebody like Mark Stoops, who, you know, I mean, you want to talk about like Willie not having guys on the field. Uh, well, Mark Stoops lost to Florida by twice, only having 10 men on defense. Okay. And has done a f- fine job at Kentucky, but not, not like a special job, I wouldn't say. Uh, instead of dumping big time money into like a C or D level candidate, I don't think it's that crazy to say, okay, we're going to give Odell a, re- and we covered this on the last episode, but like we'll give Odell a regular length contract, but something with a, with a very manageable buyout for us to where people don't say, oh, he's just the interim guy until the new the, the new AD gets in. But it, functionally, he could be. Now, if he works out, that's incredibly awesome. But if he doesn't, it wouldn't kill you financially to get rid of him. And I think you could make it pretty clear because you have the leverage there over Odell, uh, no doubt, because he doesn't have any experience as a coordinator or head coach and is not somebody you would typically promote to that position. I know there are some boosters who really do like Odell and, and like the idea of it. Uh, I Do you have any skepticism as far as if they would actually back up that talk with, with dollars and, and like the excitement of having a guy who loves the school and all that kind of stuff? Because w- we just had a guy who loves the school, right? And people really didn't donate for him. Uh, man, I'm torn here. I'm real torn overall on uh, the idea of Odell being the head coach. I do think he would receive support to an extent, um, both above board and perhaps below on the recruiting trail that hasn't been there for a while. Um, I also think that there would be a portion of this fan base that would re- react not to the idea of Odell Haggins, but to the idea that their job, we just fired a guy, paid him $18.6 million, or at least are contractually uh, obligated to. I, I don't think Florida State uh, has that money and uh, was something we've covered previously. You don't really do that to then go hire and make a former defensive tackle coach or, or a current defensive uh, line coach or head coach. It just doesn't really fit or and all the while pay a, a search form in the process. So I can understand if people would be frustrated with that. Uh, I also think that, um, look, I don't think you personally can drop another salesman into that locker room. I, I think you've got to drop a heavy degree of authenticity and uh, consistency and embrace of the work that is to be done uh, ahead. And I think Odell would fit that to a T. I think there's some areas where I'm real optimistic. There's areas I'm real concerned. Uh, and I think to an extent, some of the support that you mentioned would almost be reflected in that. I think he would have his area of support. I think there would be some donations. I think there would be some efforts on the recruiting trail that maybe haven't been made otherwise available for a bit. Uh, but I also think there would be 
some real tightening of the checkbooks by some and uh, questioning as to what Florida State's doing with its head coach position. Yeah, I, that's that's totally fair. Um, you know, I, I don't know what Odell would do as far as assistant coaches. Again, I do not think hiring Odell Higgins is a good idea. I do think that it is a preferable idea to dropping big-time money into a coach who you don't think is really that much of a fit for Florida State. Like, you know, there's some just real low-level guys. I'm like, wait a second, really? He, him? And coaching searches are, are absolutely crapshoots. You don't know how they're going to turn out. You, you can have a guy who seems seems to fit your culture and shows a track record of rapid improvement or winning or whatever at schools, and he can fail spectacularly like the last guy. But I do think that it's important to make the most informed decision possible, and it's not like you just you're you're not just flipping coins here and and just hiring people at random. So if you can hit if you can hit on somebody who is more qualified with a better track record, then I think you need to do that. Uh, but if they're not if their track record is not that great, I think what you need to avoid here is is this. Like I don't think Florida State's winning a national championship in the next couple of years, most likely. And I think you'd probably agree on that. Don't do something where you're having to buy out another coach from a really expensive deal or just a moderately expensive deal and then give him a really big deal in Tallahassee and then the new AD comes in and is like, yeah, well, this is not really working out, but we're having to, like, now we're stuck with it because we, we can't afford to buy him out. That's what I want to avoid. Don't give superstar money to a mid-level coach. It, that's about the only case that I would possibly make for Odell. I also don't think it really should matter if he beats Florida or doesn't beat Florida, right? Because if you beat Florida, to me, that says a lot more about Florida not showing up than it does about your team. Okay. <laughs> no, I just, I don't think you base your, I don't think you base your head coach decision around the outcome of one game. I, I think that's a, setting yourself up for failure in general. Also, like, don't judge anybody on one game. Don't judge – like, if Matt Campbell had lost to Texas in that game, right. my yeah. opinion of Matt Campbell is not changing. It was a single-score game. You don't have a lot of control over winning and losing single-score games. It's pretty random, okay? The same thing with P.J. Fleck. My opinion of P.J. Fleck did not go down in the fact that, that Minnesota lost the road game to Iowa, just as it didn't go crazily higher that they beat Penn State. You need to look at somebody's overall track record. You need to look at their trajectory of improvement or of you know negative regression. It, that's the kind of stuff that should matter when you're looking at this stuff. So don't be like, oh, well, he, he beat Texas this weekend. Now I really want him. What? That's 60 minutes of football. Crazy stuff happens in, in, in a single game. Judge on a larger sample set. Yeah. I also think uh, like there's a there's a massive amount of risk with any of these uh, characters and Florida State's in a place where we've said this repeatedly perfect doesn't have or the hire doesn't have to be perfect but you do have to get this hire right um, and Odell is uh, you know the highs could be as high as anything as far as a fan enjoyment I'm not saying he's going to lead to a national championship as you alluded but to win and to win with Odell at head coach uh, would be uh, a lot of fun for a fan base like this um, and I'm talking like 10 wins a year. I'm, I'm not, again, not talking about appearing in the playoffs. Uh, but I don't think that, and I hope Florida State does not try to mitigate risk via a, redis, a reduced coaching salary. That's just not the way this process is going to work. Now, I think you bring up a great point about the buyout and not handcuffing yourself down the line. But just because you save uh, a little bit on the coaching salary doesn't mean that you did not take a massive risk uh, financially with what could happen uh, if you give a first uh, a first time head coach uh, the reins to a program that really needs the ship to be righted uh, and righted in a course that perhaps you would associate uh, consistency with the position uh, at over than hiring a guy in his mid 60s to, to take over a program. I think that's fair. I, I think that's really fair. I think, damn, did we do did we do an hour already? This, this thing is flowing by. Wow. Y'all, before we hit the record, we said we're going to do 45 minutes. So this is, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're over an hour now. We may do two episodes this week. We, we may not. just depends. If we hear more stuff on the coaching search, we'll bring it to you. We're trying to do a little bit longer episodes that are not like dailies, uh, just so we can sift through what's, what's true and what's not and actually talk to people. 
I think the important things to take away from this episode are Stoops is almost certainly done. Uh, Florida State was not just, while they were focused on Stoops, they were not focused on Stoops to the exclusion of doing their due diligence and work on other candidates in the background last week. So it's not like they spent two weeks on nothing but Stoops. They were actively uh, discussing other candidates and going to meet with people. So that's encouraging too, I think. And ultimately, this is a this is still a really good job. While it's not quite as attractive as it could be because of Coburn and uh, and Thrasher, and that's not knocks on them as people, but just their their temporary nature at Florida State at this point in time. Uh, ultimately, this is still a really good job. You're, you are going to have quality candidates looking at this job. Maybe not the exact ones you want, but this is a place where, as long as the guy's given some amount of time, uh, he should be able to do a pretty good job. 